This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Uh, We are talking about uh, a resurrection that pointed to the resurrection of Jesus. And it was at the very end of Elisha's life. You might remember the story. We'll be studying that at the end today. Uh, But we're going to finish up the story we began last week on uh, Against All Odds. And and the last part of this is just faithfulness, just to keep going. And uh, God will do things that are against all odds when we just decide we're going to continue. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep moving forward. And our, the main thought of this series has been many times God, he stacks the odds against us in order to get the most glory from our story, from our, our flawed, broken, uh, human uh, existence. God gets the glory when it's transformed. When he does something with a frail human being that only he can do. When it's the Holy Spirit working in hearts, it's such a wonderful thing. And so uh, before we dive into 2 Kings 13, uh, I want to read a passage of Scripture that talks about faithfulness. And it's in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 6. It says, Most men, not all men, but most men, will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man, who can find It's hard to find a faithful man. It's hard to find a man who just stays the course. A just man walketh in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Let's pray. God, we want your blessing. But Lord, many times it's so easy to just give up and give in. And Lord, pause something you've asked us to continue. Lord, to... to let something slide, to let something go that, Lord, you've called us to do. So I pray that you would speak through not just this narrative, but, Lord, the reflection from the life of Elisha that is a perfect uh, projection of what was coming, and that is your son coming to live a perfect, sinless life, dying a death we deserve to die, rising again on the third day. I pray that you would use this passage in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there are a lot of different phrases for giving up. Our culture has many of them. And uh, I was studying two of them this week, and I I thought it was interesting how they're connected. Uh, The the phrase, uh, waving the white flag, how many of you have heard that? That came into play about 22 A.D., Um, when the Romans no longer wanted to hold their shields above their head as a sign of surrender, uh, they adapted the white flag to wave the white flag. And in the early 1900s, when boxing started to kind of uh, make make its run, uh, they they started to coin the term uh, to to throw in the white flag. And, uh, and then they're like, well, that doesn't make sense. And, and boxers normally use towels. And they would, it, was, it was a common practice that when you were done uh, with the fight and you couldn't fight anymore, they would throw your towel into the middle of the ring, signifying you're done. It's over. And so those two things signify 
a, a quitting, uh, something that's, that's done, something that's just, uh, uh, it's, it's over. And I want you to know that, that, that Satan has no greater desire than to get you to throw in the towel. Satan has no greater desire than if you would just surrender to anything other than Jesus. And so last week we talked about the first two things that God gives us, the, the assets God gives us to continue to be faithful. And we said it was the word of God, uh, which came through the, the, the life of Elisha. And, and then we said it was the counsel, wise counsel, uh, people, the people of God speaking to you the word of God. And that's uh, why we have small groups. It's, it's why we have these moments uh, here in church. It's, it's why God wants us to speak truth to one another. No one can speak life into you like someone near you who's in God's word and who is uh, encouraging you to go in God's way. But there are two more, and we want to cover these today, and that is, number one, God always uses a warrior spirit. Now, uh, you know, you can, you can read through this, and we will, and uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, how, what, what videos we have as far as the Bible reading, so I want to just go ahead and read what we read last week. Uh, it's 2 Kings chapter 13, and it, it's, it's a unique story because Elisha's on his deathbed. Verse 14, he was sick of a sickness whereof he would die. Verse 15, uh, he tells the king Joash, uh, which is also known as Jehoash, uh, not to be confused with the Joash in the southern kingdom, the good king. This is a, uh, a king that did not follow God all the days of his life, but he's sad because Elisha's passing off the scene. Uh, verse 16, uh, the king gets a bow and arrow, as was directed by Elisha, and Elisha puts his hands on the king's hands and then asks him to open a window and shoot an arrow. And he said, it's the arrow of God's deliverance, the arrow of victory. And so he's, he's asking him to, to get to use the very thing that a warrior would use, to, to grab an arrow from a, a, his, his quiver, from his sheaf, and, and to shoot it out a window, to do something that a warrior would do. This was a king who was trained to be a warrior, but he, as we will see in this text, did not have the bows and arrows. He had to go get them, and, 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 and he's using this, Elisha's using this as a picture of the deliverance that God will bring. And so a warrior, letter A, I want you to notice this, a warrior is ready for battle. It's interesting that in verse 18, you will see that he says, take the arrows. Uh, the word take is, is literally the word for go and find. Uh, it was obvious, it's obvious in the text that he did not have arrows, uh, that he was not equipped for battle because there was not an immediate threat. And I want you to know that we as Christians are always in a battle. We are always under immediate threat. So he finds the arrow and he shoots it through the window, verse 18. And I think of the darts of the devil that are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6, where it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And I was drawn to this passage because this is the next text that we'll be studying the next eight weeks. We're going to be studying a series entitled uh, Battle Ready. 
And we're going to go through the eight necessities to win any spiritual battle. The, the, uh, the uh, armor of God, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but he says, be strong. And that's the first thing, is to be strong. And next week we're going to talk about what it means to be strong. We're living in a culture of very weak Christians, very weak people. What do, we, what do we need to do to win a battle? It's to be strong, but not in our own might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. The reason why I believe that the, the next eight weeks is, is where we need to go for, to be battle ready is because I think a lot of Christians don't realize that many of the battles they're facing are spiritual battles. The battle with your spouse or coworker or boss or children is not a relational battle. It is a spiritual battle. It is not an emotional struggle. It is a spiritual struggle. I have given you the whole armor of God there uh, listed, and I would love for you to read through the passage as we uh, go into this next series. But let me just give you a key thought as we, before we go to the next point, and that is this, that the easiest way for any enemy to win is when we refuse to acknowledge the battle. When we wake up in the morning and don't realize that every day we are either winning or losing a spiritual battle. And we have to be battle ready. And so I would encourage you to daily pray through the armor of God. I've given them to you there. Pray through the armor of God and to surrender to God's strength and victory. We're going to be doing that the next eight weeks, but I, I just couldn't wait until next week to tell you that this is, this is a battle that is raging and we need to be ready. We need to be battle ready. And not only was Elisha wanting him to be battle ready, but I, I want you to notice also in verse 19, or the end of 18, the beginning of 19, uh, that a warrior will not quit. A warrior will not quit. Verse 18, I put in your notes, it says, Take the arrows, and he took them. And he says, Strike the ground. <laughs> I could see it through the window, the whole some symbolic shooting it through the window. I get that. But, but when you're shooting at a target, you want the target to have some purpose. You, you want the target to be somewhere where... It's noticeable. Somewhere where you, where, where the arrow, when it sticks, there's some satisfaction that you hit the bullseye. And it just seems really pointless to have a target where no one can see. To have a target in the dirt. To take perfectly good arrows and to strike them into the dirt seems pointless to me. And I want you to see how this was certainly a test of the king, whether or not he will trust God. But it was also a revelation of the fact that many times God calls us to an unexpected target. God calls us to do something that may not seem culturally relevant. God calls us to do something that may not seem at first like it makes a whole lot of sense. 
And, and, and we could go through many different things that God calls us to do that, that, that don't make human sense, but make, make all the sense in the world when we're looking through the lens of Scripture. But we have to look at the word smite. And I honestly used to think that it was him telling him to hit the ground with the arrows. I really thought that that's what it meant. That, you, know, you, know, you smite something, you smite the arrows. It, it literally is just a word for shoot. It's another word for shoot. And he uses a different word than we studied last week in shoot. It's, it, it's literally to shoot with all of your might. It, it's, this, it's this word, nakah. It, it, it's the Hebrew word that, that means uh, to, to cause a blow. Like literally to, to, to shoot as if you want to defeat something. And it's really hard when you can't see the enemy you're defeating. It's really hard when you're shooting at something and, and you don't see the arrows shooting back. And so here he is told to shoot the ground, knowing that the arrows are symbolizing shooting into the army and the victory that God wanted to give to the army of Israel. But he just doesn't understand. And last week we talked about using God's might, but I want to lean into the tension of the fact that many times when God tells us to do something, it, it does seem a little bit odd. And when, when any type of bow and arrow is shot, there's the, the reason that it works, the physics behind it, uh, is literally tension. It is the tension of the bow. And, and it's also not just the tension that has to be managed, but it's also the direction. It's interesting to me that God uses the bow because you have to go backwards before you can go forwards. It, it, it seems counterintuitive. The arrow is actually going in the opposite direction that you want it to go. But can I submit to you this morning that before you can go forward spiritually, sometimes you have to go backwards. Be, before you can see God do something great, sometimes you have to accept the tension. Sometimes you have to really come to grips with what God is doing and and not question what he's doing, but accept what he's doing and allow his word to be your guide regardless of what happens. And so the arrows represented God's deliverance and he shoots them three times. I want you to know that shooting the arrow three times was good, but it was not God's best. And I want you to notice in this passage what happens in verse number 18. He, he did smite the ground. He smote the ground three times and then he stayed. I read someone this week, a scholar that, that said the saddest word in the entire life of Elisha is that word stayed. The word stayed, it literally means to stop, to pause, uh, to, to, to cause to cease. Ahmad is the Hebrew word. It, it, it's, it's a word for someone who was doing one thing and stopped doing it. And it actually was, was, for whatever reason, something that angered the prophet Elisha as well. I want you to see in verse number 19 what happens. The man of God was wroth. He was angry. Why, why would he be angry? Why would he be upset? It was because he stayed. He stopped. And I couldn't help but think about the verse in Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And I don't know if he stopped because his strength was small. Or if he just didn't feel like continuing. But I will tell you, there is a point in time in all of our lives, and it might even be right now, 
when all of us will come to that point where we just don't feel like going forward. And so in an honest moment, I hope that we would all recognize that there has been a moment or there is a moment where we don't feel like praying, where we don't feel like coming to church, where we don't feel like reading God's word. And I'm just so happy that my faith is not built on a feeling, that my faith is built on the stability and the ability and the stability of the word of God. It is, it is the reliability of scripture that my faith is anchored to. And so here's an action item. I would encourage you to decide ahead of time before your feelings start tanking, before you start getting disillusioned by culture, decide ahead of time that you're never gonna make a major decision when you are overly discouraged or in a valley or in a moment of defeat. Don't, don't make a decision. He, here's this king. He's in a moment where God's wanting to give him victory and he just doesn't feel like going forward anymore. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're watching online or you're on the radio and maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe it was because Joash just felt like he had done enough. Maybe it was he felt like continuing, but he felt like the three arrows, that was enough. And there's a lot of Christians that come to that point where, listen, I'm, what I'm doing is enough. And, and, and your relationship with God doesn't go to the next level because you feel like what you've done is enough. And your relationship with your wife or, 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 or with others in the church, it, it doesn't grow, it doesn't, it doesn't expand, it doesn't transform because you feel like you've done enough. And, and we don't serve the Lord anymore because we feel like, well, I've done enough. And we don't give anymore because I feel like I've given enough. I don't know what, what it was, but for whatever reason, he stopped. And I want to encourage you from the life of Elijah and from the life of this uh, king in Israel who, who learned a valuable lesson, so valuable that the Holy Spirit wanted Jeremiah to write it down for us. And, and it is this, it is that we need to just keep going. Having a warrior spirit is saying, God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue the fight in this battle that we are raging. It is a worthy battle and I am not going to give up. And so don't be satisfied with partial victory when God has promised deliverance. I, I think of the verse in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 7 when Paul asked the church at Galatia, you did well, what did hinder you? Who did hinder you? You, you, you were running well, you were doing so well, but someone caused you to stop and you stopped obeying the truth. May it never be said about this church that we stopped obeying the truth. We have to continue. You know, we live in a culture full of half-finished things. I was so disheartened recently to learn that the most popular haircut in America right now is the mullet. It is a half-finished haircut. And if you are choosing to have that haircut, just know it's half-finished. <laughs> That's fine. It's just half finished. It, 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 it would be like me saying, hey, you know, I'm done. <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just go home. Well, wait a second. We haven't, we haven't finished. What's the rest of it? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they didn't finish their sentence? You're like, well, what? They just got distracted. Now, I am terrible, man. I, I'm like, 
squirrel, right? I mean, I, I'll get distracted really easily, and sometimes I have to come back, and I was talking to some of our team this morning. I was like, what, what was I saying again? Let me finish my sentence. And, and um, you know, I really believe that, that this story is for us, for us who, who leave things half finished, who, who stop when it gets hard. And, and it reminded me of, of, of the meme that was, that's going around of that, that really beautiful painting that's only half finished and they must have ran out of time. But don't be like the quitting king, right? The, the, the second half just kind of, you know, it's just, let's just fill this in. <laughs> fill it in. Don't stop halfway. But you know, a lot of Christians are like this. Man, they started out so well, but then they stopped. They gave in. They, they just decided that it wasn't good enough. We have so many examples of this in Scripture, but I want to use one from history, and that is, C.H. Spurgeon, he said, there is no presumption in taking the largest promise of God and pleading for it until it is fulfilled. This was the C.H. Spurgeon who, who, who struggled with thoughts of suicide. This was the C.H. Spurgeon who had such chronic, debilitating anxiety and depression that he had to take months away from his church. This was a C.H. Spurgeon that had so many sores all over his body and gout in his feet that many times he had to be in a wheelchair. Many times he had to sit in the hot springs in France. This was a C.H. Spurgeon that had constant death threats, people burning down his house, people burning down his church, people threatening uh, to, to rob him, him being robbed. This was a man who went through a lot. And he said, just grab onto the promises of God and continue. And he said this as well. And this is the key thought. There is joy in hell when a Christian grows idle. But there is rejoicing in heaven every time a child of God refuses to give up. My friend, listen. The devil gets a victory every time you decide not to continue. Every time you decide, I, I'm, I'm just done. It's over. I, I, I'm, I'm not going forward anymore. And I just want to remind you what Proverbs says in Proverbs 24, 16. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. If they fall into mischief, and the word fall there is to fall and stay. The greatest characteristic of a faithful Christian is that they continue. Can I just tell you, we've already won, so all we have to do is keep going. Do you know the only thing that you want to hear, you will want to hear when you see Jesus is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And one of those two things is not up to you. Your goodness is not yours, it's Jesus. And the only thing you are responsible for is faithfulness. And that is, of course, enabled by God. But friend, let me tell you, faithfulness is the cheat code. Faithfulness is the key to overcoming anything in your life. And so a warrior just does not quit. A warrior is ready for battle. Let her see. I want you to see this. A warrior has a will to win. The will to win. I want, I want you to see in verse 19, because it's whenever someone gets angry, by the way, you need to know this in LA County. Let me just let me just say this, okay? And you, I, I'll, I could parse this in scripture, but just please 
I'd love to talk to you about it afterwards, but every time someone gets angry, it's a, it's a revelation of something they're dealing with in their own heart. And so, and, and so when Elisha is so angry with the prophet, yes, I believe there's an area of righteous indignation, but, but notice what he says. It, it's, it's interesting. He says in verse number 18, he said, he says, he was so angry, and he said, you should have smitten the ground five or six times. And then that would have been uh, Syria until you've consumed it. He's like, why did you stop? Why didn't you do more? Now, I don't know this, and this is not in, this, in, in, in the Bible, and I'm very careful to preach the whole counsel of God. But I want to submit to you that there is a great possibility, and we'll see it in the next point. There is a great possibility that Elisha is so angry because he wished he would have asked for more as well. He asked for a devil portion, but I, 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 I wonder what would have happened if Elisha would have asked Elijah or God for a triple portion or a quadruple portion. I believe God would have done whatever Elisha would have asked. And I believe God wants to do whatever you want to ask as long as you have the faith to ask it. He has the will to win. And so the question's often asked, well, okay, but God knows what's best for us and why doesn't he just give it to us even when we don't ask for it? <laughs> and that's a very normal thing to ask. But the answer is twofold. Number one, God often gives you what you don't deserve. It's called grace. And number two, God will not enable our disobedience. And God blesses those who are just willing to follow his plan. And part of his plan is he said, you have not because you ask not. You got to have the faith to continue. You got to have the faith to do what I've called you to do. But those who do not want his blessing, who do not want to give, who do not want to serve, who do not want to go his way, friend, God will not pour out his blessing on you. He will not force it. And a great example of this is Psalm 84. This, is, this verse is quoted out of context more than you realize. And it's quoted out of context because many quote the first part. In fact, some of you maybe even have the first part on your wall in your house. And if you do, go get the second part and add it. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them. And then it like, has the three dots. Whatever those are called, okay? Ellipsis or whatever that's called. No, no three dots. No good thing will he withhold to them that walk uprightly. God will not give you good things to not walk uprightly. He will not reward your self-destructive behavior. And he says, the very next verse, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Trusting God is the key. And I love the song that we sang this morning about trusting God. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. See, God loves us enough to, to pour out his blessings, but he will not force his blessings uh, when we are not going his way. We're not following his plan, his path that is best for us. And so God has far more for all of you here in this room and watching online. He has far more for you than you ever could imagine. But I believe that we've lost today our warrior spirit. Now, last night, I was not planning on sharing this, and I, I uploaded it this morning. I don't know if we have it. But last night, me and the boys, it was a beautiful night. I love summer nights uh, in the Antelope Valley. It's cooling down. And, and uh, 
we were, we were outside with Kobe, our dog. He's, he's a puppy. He doesn't know he's fully grown now, though. So he's like just, you know, running around. <clears throat> and I spotted an ant, all right? And I apologize for, I wasn't planning on sharing this, so I, I, I don't even realize, I don't even remember what I said. Do we have that video? Um, so here's an ant. So my man. Taking. Got some of Kobe's food. Some of Kobe's man. food. I mean, look he at how. Struggling. Come on, man. That's that is the definition He's of biting to off too much than than you can chew. It's gonna take a while, though. I mean, look at that. <laughs> what a warrior. He's just, Good job looking out. He's not giving up. Kobe. Oh, Kobe. <laughs> Kobe. I was on, not man. playing. I feel like I'm gonna project. We're we're listen. We're obeying scripture. Go to the end, consider his ways, and then Kobe, bam! It's my food, son. My goodness. Uh, I have no idea what that had anything to do with. It did have something uh, of warrior spirit. Oh, there's no telling what glorious possibilities will lie just beyond one moment of painful obedience to God. Now, I hope it's not as painful as that ant, okay? But I will tell you that God, God, doesn't, God doesn't want us to weigh the consequences. God doesn't want us to say, well, when it gets easier, can I just tell you as a Christian, it's not getting any easier. Can I just tell you that? That's actually encouraging. You know why? Because Jesus is closer than he's ever been before. And I will tell you this, here's an action item. And it is this, um, that we need to obey God completely and leave the consequences and outcome completely up to him. We, we, we are not the ones that give the harvest. We are the ones like that ant that, that just does what we're told to do. And we let all of the other consequences uh, just be up to God. And so we, we've, we've gone through three. The word of God he gives. The counsel of God uh, is, is given to help us to just keep going. Well, the, the warrior spirit that God gives us when we decide just to go his way. We, we see that in this passage. And then finally, uh, and, and we're finished, and that is God always uses his resurrection power, his resurrection power. Now, I will tell you that you are you going to see God's resurrection power at work. It's not the power of Elisha. It's not some spooky thing. I really believe this literally happened. And also, some of you that have read this story now this week, might be wondering, well, wait a second. It says in verse, verse 19 that Elisha got angry. Verse 20, it said he died. Did he die from being angry? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't say. But notice what happens right after he dies. I'm gonna have Joe read this for us. Second Kings chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And Elisha died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. I mean, imagine that, okay? Now, you know, when you throw a dead man into a grave and he walks out, you're running. It's, you're, you're gone. I'm gone. I don't know about you, but I listen, if I'm throwing a dead man into a place where the dead's supposed to belong, all right, and then he comes walking out, 
That's, 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 that's pretty crazy stuff. But I want you to see letter A here, that there are lessons from this grave, from the grave of Elisha. And there are lessons from every grave, by the way. Ecclesiastes 7.4 says, the heart of the wise is in the house of the morning. There's wisdom in, in, in contemplating the end of life. But here are, here are some lessons. There are a lot more than this, but here are just three that I gave you. In a broken world, burdens often come in bundles. Have you ever noticed that? That when it rains, it pours, right? I mean, look at what's happening. First, Elisha's dying. That's a bummer, okay? Then they're, they're burying him, and the band of Moabites are invading the land. That, that's another bummer, right? So you're being invaded right after you lost your, your hero, your, your, your prophet, and then you're having to bury one of your friends who've been killed by these Moabites. So you're having to bury them. And then you don't have enough time to bury him. That's even a bigger bummer. You can't even finish your memorial service because these guys are coming and they want to kill you. You're going to be next. And so a lot of times in life, things come in bundles. And, but I want you to also see that some things don't belong in the grave. Now, again, this is not explicitly in this text. I want to be very careful when I say these things. But I believe, of course, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same that raised that man. But I believe one of the reasons that God allowed this miracle to happen is because Elisha went to his grave with 13 miracles and God promised him 14. I, I also believe, and, and again, I have no way to prove this other than hi historical uh, evidence and, and, and consistent evidence from Scripture. I don't have a verse that says this happened, but I believe that Elisha went to his grave with the mantle of Elijah that was never meant to be on Elisha's neck. It was always meant to be on someone else's neck, one of the school of the prophets. We don't have any record of who that is, but I believe that God was putting a soldier in the army of Israel to be killed and rise again, to be a testimony, to be a prophet. We don't know what his name was. It could be one of the minor prophets. We're not told, but I believe that, that God was saying that mantle, that potential, that influence, it doesn't belong in the grave. My friend, that is the lesson from this, is what, what comes out of the grave is a young man that has a testimony that bears witness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so you have every, every bit of power that is, that is in every person who's received Jesus Christ as, as their Lord and Savior, every bit of power that, is, that, is, that has come into you, the Holy Spirit power that's come into you. And by the way, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are not alive spiritually. You are dead spiritually. Ephesians 2 says that. You can go and read that. But I, I, I would just encourage you uh, with this thought, and that is it is the grace of God that allowed that young man to go in dead and come out alive. And new life is always a gift of grace. And so that's what letter B is. New life is a gift of grace. The word re revived is a word that we've looked at many times here at New Life. It is the word for new life. Kaya it literally means to be revived, to be restored, but it means to be restored better than before. To be restored better than before. And it is the restoration process that, yes, comes from 
salvation, but it is also the transformational process of sanctification that takes place day by day when we daily remember the greatest example of faithfulness and steadfast of Jesus hanging on the cross. That is the transforming work that that transforms our minds, and it was the transforming work that transformed the mind of Jackie in the 70s. I think we have a picture of her. She was on her way from Egypt to to Athens, Greece for vacation. When she uh, was on the plane, she was seated. The the stewardess were there. They were starting to taxi and then they came to a stop. They came to a stop and they heard a knocking on the door to the airplane. They did not open it and then they heard gunshots. Then they, they were forced to open the door and they had terrorists that came on the plane and they, they dragged everyone off the plane. They shot everyone on, on the tarmac, left them for dead, and Jackie was one of them. Shot multiple times. And while she laid there for five hours, she said she kept thinking to herself, God, do you really want me just to die here on the tarmac? of Egypt. She really believed that she was following God's plan for life, and that's why she was in Egypt. She was in Egypt doing what she believed God wanted her to do. So as she called out to God for five hours, and she was bleeding out, she felt the presence of God come over her, and he said, I'm not done with you. If you will hang on and not give up on life, I won't give up on you. And it just so happened that in that, in, in that night, one of the watch guards noticed, some, noticed something on the, on the tarmac and, and wanted to go check it out. Five hours after she had been shot, he found her and saved her life. Listen, God knows where you're at. God knows where you're stranded. God knows where you're bleeding, where you're hurting, where your difficulties are. But he's asking you to continue. He's asking you not to give up. And so here's a takeaway and we'll finish. And it is this, that new life in Jesus Christ gives resurrecting power to continuing life, uh, continuing living life against all odds. And, and, and the life that we've, we've been called to live is a life against all odds. That power that he gives, the resurrecting power is a power that will allow you to do things that people say, what are the odds? What are the odds of that person continuing? What are the odds of that person being faithful? I'll tell you the odds. It's the resurrection power. That's how, that's the odds that we have. So as we exit the series, I wanna do two things. We're gonna have a moment of prayer in a minute. But I I wanna encourage everyone to do two things. Number one, I would encourage you to read Ephesians 6. That's where we're heading next. And I really believe that this series has has feathered into the next because God has wanted us not just to to continue, but to win some battles. And I want you to know that victory is yours when you decide to, to, to fight God's way with God's power, right? So I want you to read uh, that. That's, that's one action item that I would encourage you to do. And then the second thing is there's some things you've given up on. There's some things that you've stopped or, or maybe God wants you to start. And I would just inc- continue. Maybe it's, maybe it's your Bible reading. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you used to do things a lot better than you have right now. 
Don't let this series end without you saying, okay, God, I'm getting back to your plan, your power, and I'm going to fight your battles. Remember, the battle is his, your battles, your way. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.